the fact that it's easier to find clothing for dogs than it is for people with disabilities needs to be changed. Hello, everybody. This is Elena Cargillan speaking. Welcome to the Different Lights podcast. This podcast is about people who strive to fit into the imperfect world. We have the ability to face challenges most of you take for granted. Ability Media is our strength to showcase our similarities to the rest of the world rather than our differences. Different Lights is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio in partnership with Ability Media. It is my pleasure to be talking to you today about people with differences. Your story is remarkable and resonates in my life. Just a little info about me. I am a tall four foot three young woman of 23 who knows what it feels like to experience bullying, social distancing, and not related to COVID, reaching out for things way beyond my reach, as well as finding the right appropriate attire, which fits to my fashion desire. And so as a shopaholic that can't stay away from stores, this has been even more than a frustrating out of store online experience since COVID. So here we go. So as the founder of Runway of Dreams with a background in fashion, I just had to interview you. (laughs) Runway of Dreams came to be because you had a purpose and a reason and the inspiration and desire and vision to provide trendy, current age, appropriate attire for those who are unique in body and size. And so, Mindy, tell us a little about yourself. What made you who you are today? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so thrilled to be a part of this. So I am a fashion designer by trade, and I am also a mom of a child who has muscular dystrophy. And we learned very early on that he was going to struggle with everyday tasks, one of which is the very thing that I love more than anything, and that's getting dressed every day. But for my son, Oliver, it was a daily reminder of what he couldn't do. He couldn't do buttons and he couldn't manage zippers and he couldn't fit pants over his leg braces. So he wore sweatpants every single day to school, to birthday parties, to engagements that maybe it wasn't even appropriate for him to wear sweatpants. But truthfully, it was the only way that he would be able to go to the bathroom on his own and be able to dress himself independently. So when he was eight years old, he came home from school and said, mom, I want to wear jeans. I don't understand why everybody else gets to wear jeans except for me. And it was a a real um, critical point in my life, not only of being a fashion designer and a mom, but having my eight-year-old remind me of the importance of clothing and how it relates to you as a person, how you show up to the world, your confidence, your self-esteem. And um, I guess I needed my eight-year-old to remind me of that. So that was really a defining moment in my life and my career, as I felt that I had the background to be able to have a small goal of changing the fashion industry, to be inclusive of people with disabilities and or different shaped bodies. So this was back in 2013, 14, that I created Runway of Dreams, 
with the purpose of working with the fashion industry to not only educate them on who people with disabilities are, but to also help them understand that modifications could be made to mainstream clothing to make it more wearable for people with disabilities and that people with disabilities make up the largest minority on our planet uh, with a billion people globally that they were also missing out on a tremendous amount of consumers. So this was really expanding the consumer base to be inclusive um, of the largest minority on the planet. So that really was um, my goal, my, my inspiration. And thankfully in 2016, we partnered with Tommy Hilfiger to make fashion history and develop the first ever mainstream adaptive clothing line for kids, which is now turned into Tommy Adaptive. We work with Zappos on the Zappos Adaptive line. We, or actually their curated product uh, we work with Target and Kohl's and Strideright and Nike's been on our runway. So I, I feel that really in a fairly short amount of time, progress has been made. The industry is not only listening, but they're putting money and resources behind understanding that people with disabilities are consumers too. That's very inspirational. So like how, when you were first introducing the idea, um, was it very hard? How was the process? Would, were people open-minded to it? I would say the process uh, would be what one would imagine. It was filled with ups and downs. Um, I would say my greatest challenge was helping the uh, mainstream brands understand that that the size and scope of the population should not be ignored, that this is white space. And just because nobody had ever done it before isn't a reason not to do it. It's just understanding who the target market was and that this was a business opportunity. And that definitely took um, some time. Um, it took some solid research and data to be able to convince uh, brands that this is something that they need to be a part of. But thankfully, once Tommy came on board, it became um, an easier conversation to have. Are you looking for bigger brands and bigger stores to partnership with? I think we will um, keep looking until there's nothing left to look for. I, I think that this should be something that just becomes a category in the fashion industry, no different than plus size or petite. I mean, I, you know, say this phrase all the time and certainly others that are in this space that the fact that it's easier to find clothing for dogs than it is for people with disabilities needs to be changed. And I think we're making tremendous progress until hopefully we get to a point where this doesn't need to be a conversation anymore of, who we want on board because everybody should be on board and just understand that people come in all different shapes, sizes, and abilities. So how do you feel like with children's clothes that they're now, they look like adult clothes. Do you, what do you think about that? I think that's great strides that have been made um, in that even in the population of little people, I think that there's still a lot of work that, needs to be done. And I'm sure you can attest to that, that, you know, if the the range of sizing makes you shop in the children's section, 
then there should be product that makes you look age appropriate, um, both with footwear and clothing. And that is something that, you know, is certainly, I know, um, being addressed and discussed. So I'm, I'm thrilled to say and that I think you will see change happening in the, in the very near future. I totally agree. And also, like, even with my experience, when I was younger, it was even harder to find things. People start developing and you start getting older. You can't fit into those kids' dresses. They don't have those zippers that adults have. And so um, it, it makes a problem. But now that they're changing it and making it so everyone can start fitting into those clothes and making them more adaptive, it's good for little people like me. And yeah, like, so it's a good thing. But the thing I find is also like with shoes. Do you ever think about shoes? Like you can't find adult shoes like in high heels for kids, like in a kid's size. I think the, the whole industry of footwear is absolutely going to go through some really necessary transformations. I think Zappos Adaptive has done incredible work in this space as they they recently launched the singles program that allows people to buy individual sizes if their one foot is bigger than the other or they only need one shoe um, based on uh, their body type and I think that in and of itself was a completely disruptive amazing step in the changes that need to be made not only with how a shoe goes on to the foot I think that can, you know, really be changed and that really is adaptive. Um, but also in understanding that the the size of the foot is, is really important to take into consideration as well, even as you grow. So, you know, again, the category of, of little people require shoes that are in a certain size range that need to be age appropriate. Yeah, I definitely, and um, I slowly see even kids wearing high heels that they shouldn't be wearing, but it's good for little people, so it's a good thing. So I guess I, what is one advice you could give to parents who are dealing with the challenges of being different and, like, dealing with that difference? That's, that's a great question, and now my son Oliver is now 16, so, you know, I've definitely have gone through many phases and stages in his life. And, and the teenage years are, are certainly um, incredibly challenging even before you have a disability. So my advice is certainly to have a community, to have a support system, um, whether that is your family and or reaching out to others that truly understand um, I am fortunate enough that that is my um, professional life that I get to, you know, meet people like even your mom who who really understands exactly what I am going through and probably will go through for the rest of my life in terms of having a child uh, with a disability. But I also want to give the positive notion that so much change has happened even since Oliver was a little boy, not only in the fashion industry, but in our world of acceptance and understanding that people come in all different shapes, sizes, ethnicities, and abilities, that I feel very strongly that our children and our children's children and so on 
are going to grow up in a very different world of acceptance uh, that, you know, people are people first and certainly people with disabilities. So what do you think of using the word disability? Do you like the word ability that it helps to make it so you're not using the word dis disabled or you want it so it's you're able? What do you think of that? I think that's a great topic that definitely needs to um, hopefully evolve. I think even just the word handicapped and seeing that as the symbol of everything from bathrooms to, you know, different pathways, et cetera. I mean, the, the derivative of the word handicapped actually came from the fact that, you know, send, decades and centuries ago, people with disabilities had to be beggars and put a cap in their hand to be on the street to survive. And the fact that that is how the word handicapped came to be, and that it is still part of our vernacular, um, definitely needs improving. And the symbol of people with disabilities is somebody with, in a wheelchair. It is just the symbol that everybody you know acknowledges. And I think that can evolve. People with disabilities are, are way more extensive than just the wheelchair community. And I think that needs to certainly be acknowledged. So, you know, that again, goes back to the word disabled. I think anything that starts with DIS is negative. It just means that you, you don't have ability. Um, so I, I look, I think there's room for improvement. I understand that that needs to evolve and that's going to take time to reframe people's perception of words. Um, but I think we can do better. And, and I really try very hard to always acknowledge the person first vernacular of, of that is people with disabilities or people with differences. Um, I, I actually very rarely speak about Oliver um, I, I will, having a disability, I will more say that he has muscular dystrophy, which is the disease that he has, because I just think the word disable is the, the natural thought process to me is a disabled vehicle on the side of the road in a traffic report that's causing problems. And I would never want to put my son or anybody else in, in a, such a negative light, but I also am realistic that that's what the world currently utilizes um, in the English language. So again, I, I'm trying to be hopeful and positive that we evolve past words that have been used in the past to just talk to people, uh, talk about people with disabilities as people. I always said people like with challenges or differences, I would say the unique, the unique people and they have a, an ability. Yeah. And I think that's why like our ability media is such a great name because we're trying to show people in different lights, but that have an ability and that you appreciate and can use what the way you were born as an advantage and be able to use it in a way so you can still succeed in life and not as an obstacle that stops you from like conquering your dreams and everything. Absolutely.
Yeah. And so um, have you been able to in interface with the fashion school in New York City who are learning the fashion um, track? Fortunately, I have been very connected to universities across the country and actually even globally, and, and that is inclusive of the design schools as they have been incredibly on top of including adaptive into curriculums and syllabuses because that's really the next generation and generations to come need to understand that this is just part of our mainstream world and should be a part of everything from design to PR, social media, et cetera, that needs to have this, this layer of understanding of the largest population on the planet. What was the most successful path that you've taken to be able to get Runway of Dreams to have its big, biggest exposure and out there? What was the best technique? I have always been a big believer in um, PR and social media and, and especially as it relates to people with disabilities, social media is a, a key tool. Um, you know, certainly podcasts like this. Um, so I would say the greatest tool is utilizing that those muscles of social media um, and PR, but uh, from an event perspective, I think one of the greatest things that we do um, are our fashion shows. We uh, do a big show during Fashion Week in New York. Uh, we've done that for the past six years. Uh, we just started um, about two, three years ago to add a city every year on top of doing our show in New York. So I actually just got back from Miami last week. We did a big show at a drive-in movie theater uh, you know, under strict COVID regulations. Oh, you can watch it on YouTube. It's on our Runway of Dreams YouTube channel. It was incredible. It was really in a, a spectacular event, but it really shows the world who people with disabilities are. Um, it be, it's able to show the brands that are involved um, in Adaptive and hopefully really rebrand who, who should be on our runways. That's remarkable. I'm so happy you had a good outcome. So what is the biggest hope that you would like to happen for Runway of Dreams for the future? And what is your biggest fear? My uh, biggest hope for Runway of Dreams is that we are able to still change the industry until there's nothing left to change anymore. And then it just becomes a part of our mainstream uh, notion. But I think Runway of Dreams will always have a place in that our programming allows for wardrobe grants. So for those that cannot afford new adaptive clothing, we are able to provide grants for that. We want to continue to work with up and coming design students so that they're always including adaptive and understanding the population of people with disabilities, as well as just raising awareness through our runway shows. So I, I had to be honest with you, I don't really have any fears because I, I think we are going to continue on um, it, while I'm still certainly on this earth and, and hopefully with the um, empowering of next generations, we will carry on. And that is I think, look, my ultimate hope is that maybe someday there really isn't a need for it because we are just one big, huge population. 
inclusive of everyone. And wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if we no longer have to have these conversations? So like five to 10 years from now, you hope that everything will be covered or what what do you hope for in the next five to 10 years? I, I hope that number one, every brand has adaptive versions of their product. I hope that people with disabilities are just seen as people um, so that it does, we don't have to be segmenting out. And I really hope that my other company, Gamut Management, which is a, a talent management company exclusively for people with disabilities, um, becomes one of the main players, no different than CAA or IMG, in terms of just properly representing people with disabilities um, to be integrated into our mainstream world. That's incredible. And so how can people get in touch with you or find more information in your incredible organization? So for Runway Dreams, they can go to runwayofdreams.org to find out more information, to get involved, to see um, different events that we've had. They can also go to our YouTube channels uh, to watch videos, especially the most recent event we just did in Miami. And for Gamut Management, they can go to gamut, G-A-M-U-T, management.com and find out how to become a client. And the only thing that we require to join Gamut is that you have to have a disability. That's incredible. Thank you so much for speaking with me. And I hope that it all goes beautifully for the future and that you help a lot more people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's so wonderful to meet you in person. And I think what you're doing is amazing. That was Mindy Shire, founder of Runway of Dreams Foundation, a fashion nonprofit for people with disabilities. We applaud her for making a difference in our imperfect world. Thanks for listening to episode three of Different Lights, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio in partnership with Ability Media. For more information about the show, visit abilitymediagroup.com. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite app and check us out weekly as we continue these conversations about the intersection of identity and ability. Take care and remember, differences are a blessing.